Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Great evening, friends. How are you guys doing? Are you guys doing well? Feeling good? Right, can you feel spring in the air? Right, it's here, right? It's here. It's, it's happening. So um, if you haven't met me, my name is Brent, and I lead this evening service together with my beautiful wife, Danal. She's the pretty one. Oh, yeah, right there. Sit, that, sit next to me that held my hand. The hot little thing. I'm joking, 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 joking. <laughs> we're married, so it's all good. I can say stuff like that. But I wanna, we're going to be kicking off a brand new series tonight, and I want to ask you this question, or rather, yeah, ask you this question. The moment I say evangelism, the word evangelism, there are certain images that come to mind. What do you think when I say the word evangelism? Is it maybe a celebrity pastor image? You know, a celebrity pastor, you know, screaming from the pulpit, repent for the time is near. You've got to give your life to the Lord because me, 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 They're always like Texan guys, like always have this accent, right? Do you think of like celebrity pastor, guy that says, you know, believe in Jesus and by the way, just SMS you know, this, a prayer to this number, it only costs 500 rand, and then we'll sort you out. Like, what do you think about evangelism? Maybe um, you see the people standing on the street corners, you know, shouting. You get, you get these people, you know, asking the question, are you ready? If Jesus was to come right now, where would you go? It's like, I don't know, to him. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> if he walks in this room, be like, cheers, guys. Are you ready? Repent. So you got a guy standing on the box shouting at people. Is that the picture maybe you have of evangelism? Maybe evangelism is the picture of, you know, these, these, these have you ever seen these posters of evangelists? You know, th- this is one of my favorite. I, I don't know who this guy is. If you know him, I'm sorry. But, but I mean, look at this. International evangelist, Daniel DeToy. International evangelist. He's not just an evangelist. He's, he's international. But the best is here at the bottom. It says there are healings, there are deliverances, there are salvation, signs and wonders, and Jesus will be there apparently as well. So, I mean, this, this is so good because every time we think of evangelism, if the guy's got evangelist this or evangelist that or, or this thing, then we think they're a professional and evangelism is for the professionals and that is where it's left. And so when people say, Brent, um, why should I evangelize? Because that's for the professionals. I'm not one of those. You know, evangelism's for the extrovert Christians. All the extrovert Christians, let me get a whoop whoop. And then the rest of the people are introverted. That's, that's how this works. We think that evangelism, in church circles, we think evangelism is great. Evangelism is important. Evangelism is the way that God is growing the church, that is growing our lives, that is growing me and you as well. But evangelism, sometimes we think, is for the evangelists. Now, I've said evangelism a lot because here's the thing. Sometimes we think evangelism is this very complex, very difficult, very weird thing. And in these next few weeks, we're going to debunk it. We're going to give it a new definition. We're going to give it the definition that I believe Jesus wanted from the start. One that actually makes sense. See, evangelism is not for expert Christians or just extroverted Christians. Evangelism is for everyone. It's for me. It's for you. It's whether you know Jesus for a day or whether you've known him for a thousand billion days. (laughs) 
it does not matter because evangelism is for everyone. It's for everyone to enjoy, for everyone to be a part of. It's not just for the professionals. Yes, some of us get the gift of evangelism. Have you guys have ever done a spiritual gifts test? If you haven't, literally type into Google spiritualgiftstest.com and go write a test. It's a really cool thing. It's good to know where your spiritual gifts are. Go check it out. It's a fun thing. But, but literally evangelism can be one of those spiritual gifts. It was actually one of my top five or top three for a long while. But here's the thing, evangelism isn't just for the evangelist, it's for everyone to enjoy and be a part of. See, we struggle to believe this fact because we simply think that we're not good enough to be that evangelist. We can't be Daniel the toy, whatever he's from Stardom, whatever his name was. We can't be that because we're not, we're not that guy. But what if evangelism was not what you think it was? What if it was something more than just screaming, from a rooftop. <laughs> what if it was more than just that? You see, Jesus, the moment he starts gathering the people that are going to take the gospel and become the first evangelists, he chooses very unprofessional people, extremely unprofessional. Evangelism is not for the professionals. Jesus chose men like Peter, a fisherman by trade, most likely uneducated. <laughs> didn't do his maths. No quick maths. He chose to work with his hands, working mostly from a boat with people possibly socially awkward because he's on a boat the whole day talking to fish. Think about it. I mean, and here Peter, when he gives his first sermon, 3,000 people are saved. Is it because Peter had this confidence? Is it because Peter was a learned man? Is it because Peter knew the Bible back to front? Is it because Peter, no. Because of this one thing, that Christ did something through his life. He became influential not because he was professional, but because he had Christ with him, the Holy Spirit with him. We can even use a guy on the opposite side of the scale, Paul. Paul was a learned man. He was a tent maker by trade, but also very highly educated, more educated than your average Joe. This guy knew the scriptures. Actually, when Paul writes in the Bible, he says that when it comes to understanding the scriptures, I know, huh? You think you're smart, but I know. Like, I know. I'm pretty smart. And I mean, this guy used to school Pharisees. I mean, he used to do crazy things. And if you think about Paul, still he wasn't a professional by trade. You see, the list goes on. We have tax collectors. We have, and listen me out, listen to me, don't, don't take offense. We had women. <laughs> right now, I know when I said that, people are like, oh, I'm a word brand. Come on. Get with the times. Unfortunately, back in those times, women did not have an opinion. And it's so good to me that in the moment that Jesus raises from the dead, he chooses to share the word to the first person. And who is that first person? Mary, a woman. Why? Because he wants to make a statement that where I am, everything changes. Beggars, doctors, business owners, historians, more fishermen, farmers in the free state, like not professional Christians, ne? BA students, like all of them, not professional. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm joking, just joking. All normal people that were part of God's story changing history forever. Non-professionals became the ones that changed the world. You see, there's two simple reasons why these people changed the world. 
while they were a part of what Jesus was doing. Two very simple reasons. Number one, they met Jesus personally. And number two, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 4 verse 13, and probably a really cool piece of scripture. Like whenever I feel bad about whether I preach good or not, or like whether I'm a good you know, pastor or not, I just go and read this. He says, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John, realizing that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Who has ever called you unschooled? Or ordinary? Now we grow up with parents that say, you can be anything you want to be. Moon, they aim for the moon, you know. Uh, imagine your parents come to you and it's like, hey, you're just quite ordinary. Like, when it comes to all the kids, you're actually quite average. Like, let's quickly, right, right? But here they are saying, but these unschooled, ordinary men, men were standing there. And they had this courage. Why? Because they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Why did these men have courage? Why did John have courage? Why did Peter have courage? Why were these people that had courage to share the gospel, to go to prison? They're like, I don't care, hold me back in there. I'm gonna keep sharing the gospel because I know who Jesus is. Why do they do this? Because these little words, they had been with Jesus. They knew Jesus personally. Friends, the only thing that makes us great evangelists is if we understand that Jesus is with us. And if we know him, there's a guy that once said, it's so good. He says, the problem in church today isn't the fact that we are not excited enough or that we are not spontaneous enough or that the worship isn't fun enough or that, or that you know, we're not doing cool events more than enough like Bloom Beach Bash. See you there. But it's not because of those things. It's maybe because we are not as excited about Jesus as we should be. And when it comes to evangelism, this is where it starts. It starts with us personally knowing Jesus. And from that personally knowing, evangelism starts growing. We're going to get to some practical things soon to help you with that. But I mean, this is what happens when we think about evangelism, when we think about Jesus. How did he evangelize? Jesus came to this world and he started doing miracles. He started doing miracles. He started healing people. He started feeding people. He started helping people. He started changing people's lives forever. Why? So that people can be like, yo, if you follow Jesus, he'll give you a new you know, foot if you need one or like a new arm, elbow or some cash money. Or No. The miracles were always the means to an end. And the end was a relationship with God himself. If you think about uh, Peter, <laughs> all the miracles that he did, why did he do it? So that he could have a platform to tell people who Jesus is. That was the goal. The gifts was always a means to an end. Why? Because here is the greatest evangelist of all time. It is not Billy Graham. It is not some other guy that has preached the word. The greatest evangelist of all time is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is evangelism. That's what he does. Yes, he's the mediator between us and God. Yes, he connects us with God. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the most radical evangelist this world has ever seen. Why? Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. He makes God's word tangible to us. He makes Jesus tangible to us. When you've experienced Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. And so here's the question. If I think I'm not going to be a good evangelist, here's the thing. You are correct. Look at the person next to you and say, you won't be a good evangelist. Welcome to church. It's so encouraging. Because here's the truth. 
It is not convincing words or persuading opinions, persuasive opinions or fancy slides that convicts our hearts. No, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks through us. So whenever you feel in a place where you need to start evangelizing and you feel, Brent, oh, there's too much pressure. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I say this? And what? Friends, it's not you. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. He's talking through you. So maybe it's time for you to keep quiet <laughs> and for him to start speaking. Have you ever thought about that? You know, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit is, and, and when it comes to evangelism, I think sometimes that's the issue. We're not excited enough about what he's doing. Like, have you seen people that are, like, crazy excited about stuff? Like, really excited? Like, CrossFit people? Huh? Like, CrossFit people. Like, first rule about CrossFit is, always talk about CrossFit. And the second rule about CrossFit is, you always talk about CrossFit. Like, if you meet a guy that does CrossFit, he just wants to do CrossFit. He wants to tell you about CrossFit. Like, have you had those people that, like, you know, they come to you and they're like, hey, hey, so what's your name? And, oh, my name is Brent New. No, I'm, I'm, I'm this guy. And then he's like, so, so what do you do for a living? Like, CrossFit. Yeah. Well, like, when a guy was at Gray, then you know he's a good guy. So, I mean, the same, the same thing. Gray College. Like, how do you know a guy was at Gray College? He tells you. Because it's the best school in South Africa. Anyway, I'm joking, I'm joking. Or maybe, maybe, and here's the one, here's the big one for me, vegans. Like, why did the vegan cross the road? So that she could tell you she's a vegan. That's, that's why. Like, like, vegans, like, vegans literally after eight minutes of not telling anyone they're vegan, they're like, I need to tell someone I'm vegan. And that meat's wrong. And that, we'll have a discussion afterwards if you can. <laughs> I'm joking. But why are guys passionate about these stupid things like vegetables and sweating in a storeroom, <laughs> doing burpees on a box? Like why, why are people so excited about these things? And when it comes to God, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to our lives, we're like, nah. Like have you seen some, some of these oaks? Like, like have you seen someone that has news and they're excited about something when they walk up to you? Have you seen their body language? They're like, oh, word. Guys, avoid. Justin Bieber is going out with someone. I don't know. I don't know. Who's. Is he married yet? I don't even. Is he married? What? Sure. And he was like, baby, baby, uh. Like, huh? I mean, when you see these guys, like, when you're excited about something, you go and tell them, like, Max Verstappen's winning the F1. Yes, come on. Springboks won last night against Argentina. Come on. I said Australia, Argentina, the other one. <laughs> you know, Bafana, Bafana, yeah. <laughs> they got a new kit. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> All the wins we have, but but we're excited about our passions. My question is: Is God your passion? Is it a passion lying within your heart? Because if it is, friends, evangelism is the, evangelism is the easiest thing. We tell people about our passions. This is why it's a good thing. But, but why does it become hard sometimes? See, when we see people like Peter, when we see people like Paul, they're like crazy about telling people about the Lord. But, but when it comes to our lives, why does it become hard? It's because I think sometimes we maybe have a weird picture of evangelism. 
We think that there's some other box or some other way or, or like a perfect step to evangelism. Like, you know, I'm not the preacher, so I'm not going to shout at people. So that's, I'm not an evangelist. I'd rather just serve in the coffee team or I'll, I'll do something else. But I won't go and tell my friends about who Jesus is because I'm just going to hide behind the, because that's not me. I don't do that. I'm not that extrovert. I think sometimes we have a narrow view of evangelism. Today, I want to widen that perspective. I want to redefine what evangelism, evangelism looks like to you. So the first way is this, how not to evangelize. We've all had that. We've had people tell us, no, you, 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 know, you must save, you must fix your life because you're doing this and you're wearing that and you got this on and this is bad and this is good. Oh, you listen to that, the old song song. <gasps> Do you know it's the devil? No, I'm joking. All these things. Like, like, are you sure that you're going to heaven? Like, and here's the thing about those those ways is they don't work. <laughs> they don't work because this isn't the way Jesus worked. Jesus didn't just walk up into this earth and be like, guys, listen, I'm king. Um, so if you don't bow down, like, I'm going to kill you. You're going you're gonna to burn. Um, otherwise, say, follow me and you'll live. Cheers. Anyone? Anyone? We've got one hand, two hands. He didn't do that. Why? It's because he knew that when people want to choose him, they need to understand who he really is. They need to understand the truth of who Jesus is. And that's why I want to bring you to this point, is that there are different styles of evangelism. There are different evangelism styles that we actually can engage in and be a part of. And so if you want to take notes, this is the moment you take notes. Because here's the thing, God created us all different. He designed us all different. We all have different attributes, different ways of living, different things that interest us. Some of us have highlights in our hair. Some of us are wearing pink beards. Like, let's, let's give to me Anne for his pink beard. Like, yes, guys. And this uniqueness is what actually qualifies you to be an evangelist. Because you can be that person. You can be the person that changes someone's life. And so let me make it very practical. Number one, there are these six different types of evangelism. And I'm going to quickly dive through them, jump through all of them so that you can see where you maybe lie um, in the spectrum of which one or two or three or all six um, you feel you want to be a part of. First one is this, truth-telling. Truth-telling, very simply put, that when we read the Bible, when we see spaces where people are actually preaching the gospel, where people are teaching, telling the truth is a way of evangelism, bringing truth into this world, bringing light into this world. We see Peter do it at the sermon in Acts 2. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. God, made, um, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He tells them, guys, listen, this guy you crucified a few weeks ago, a few days ago, what has happened? God has actually made him Lord and Messiah. He is the one. He, he tells them the truth and they realize the truth and they are saved by the truth and they, and they realize who Jesus is. This is the way that, that, um, that Peter evangelized. This is a way that a lot of people evangelize. A lot of people put truth out there. And here's the thing, just a little sidetrack, a little moment for truth. Truth without grace, that is harassment. <laughs> Hello? Truth without grace is brutal. It hurts. If I tell you, like you hear those, you'll go to hell if you don't follow Jesus, <laughs> there is truth in it. <laughs> but that's, that's brutal. <laughs> Where's the grace? Where's the other part of the depth of the truth? Because truth is good, but grace works together with truth. Make sure that you always, when you share truth, you do that. Second one is this, 
reasoning. Now, we have these guys called apologetics or guys that are busy part of jet, uh, doing apologetics and and this is a very important part. It's, it's people that they say defending the faith. And now defending the faith for me is not a real term because I believe that Jesus and the faith that he brings has no need for defending, um, but only a need for proclaiming. And so these guys would actually go and like defend, you know, people would make accusations. You get guys like C.S. Lewis or Tim, uh, Tim Keller or a bunch of guys that are actually putting down, you can go check out some cool resources of those oaks, um, but putting down questions that people have, like people ask questions like, you know, um, who made God? If you say God made, oh, who made God? You know, good question, right? And I'm um, asking other questions like, what's the difference between Christianity and, and a Muslim or Christianity and Hinduism or Buddhism or, or a bunch of different religions or even atheists? Like, what's the, what's the difference? And so there's a bunch of resources. Go check it out. We even in the, on the Good Question Show just saying we tackle all of those topics I just mentioned. But it's important to understand this because within reasoning, people actually get to a point where they start believing, Right? And so reasoning is a good thing. This is literally what the Alpha Course does. It's built around that thing of saying, hey, come and give your opinion and come give our story, but let's try and reason. Let's try and find this thing together. Let's co uh, continue in a conversation. Paul does this in Acts 17. Paul was reasoning in the synagogues with the Jews and, and um, the God-fearing Gentiles in the marketplace every day with those who had happened to be present. You see, Paul was reasoning with this. He says, I hear what you're saying, but, but let me tell you more of this truth. Let me, let me show you. And the, these are guys that are very keen to do that. And we think, okay, that's the evangelist. Like, those are the oaks. Guys, we're only at point number two. Okay, there's more to come. The second one, or the third one, is your storytellers, right? The storytellers. Each and every one of us, if you have met Jesus... If you know who Jesus is, guess what? You're an evangelist because you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. Now, I've, I've heard stories of some guys. Né? They build it up. You've probably heard that. It's like, I was such a bad person. You know? Oh, I was in the dumps. Ooh. I was did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this and slept with that and did with this and, and punched that and kicked this and stole that and... <clears throat> And then they say, and then I met Jesus, and I was like, and I'm like, bro, your focus is wrong. But anyway, and then you even get those guys that share the testimony, and they're like, yeah, for me, it's like, yeah, I grew up a Christian home, met Jesus, but there wasn't like a moment where I like ran away and like did something bad, and then like, oh, there, there it is, and then there's like, Pah, I believe in Jesus. I just, I just kind of grew in my relationship with him, got to know him, and just one day I realized I have a relationship. And you think that testimony, people go, oh, okay, boring. <laughs> no, my friend, that testimony can change someone's life. And I've seen firsthand how that changes someone's life. Because here's the thing, each and every one of us has a story to tell. And it's as simple as sharing what God has done. I mean, the blind man in John Line, he does this. They keep asking, you know, like, tell us more about this, this guy, this Jesus, tell us more about him. And he says, I, I don't really know. The one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I'm not. So, like, in between Jesus and then that's what I know. So go check for yourself. Like, this is the Jesus guy. The fourth one, and this is the one that our series is going to be built around. So this is the important one, is friendship evangelism. Friendship evangelism. Guys, friendship evangelism is something every one of us can do. Because here's the thing, friendship is the greatest commodity around humans. Let's be honest, right? We can talk about money, we can talk about success, we can talk about that thing, but if you do it all alone, 
Budding. Okay. Friendship. All of us want to have friends. Anyone that doesn't want to have any friends, we'll find you friends. Okay. Why? It's because through friendship, we build trust. We build proximity. We build relationship. And this brings us to a place where we can actually invite people closer to church. I mean, uh, Matthew, in Matthew, there's this story where there's Matthew's party in Luke 5. Um, when Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others, people that weren't Christianese people, were sitting and eating with Jesus. What happened? This guy opened up, the, opened up his house to say, guys, come pry with us. <laughs> come spend time with me. Hang out with us. Can I join you guys for Frisbee on Friday? Definitely. We'll see you there. Can I join you to the Bloom Beach Bash on Saturday? Awesome. I'll see you there, man. Please come. Let me invite you. Why, why all these spaces? Because we know it's in that spaces where people get to know people who know Jesus. And that's close enough. And you see, this is important also for that, that next one, the, evangel- the invitational evangelism. Invitational evangelism, very simply put, we get stories of people in the Bible that literally met Jesus and they just invited people to come and see who Jesus is. Very simple. The lady at the well, we preached about her a while ago, right? John 4, she literally says this. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be him? She didn't like try and persuade people. It's like, hey guys, like we're going to have a pink beard at church on Sunday. Like, do you want to come with? Huh? I'm joking. Just once, man. Or like, oh, free donuts this Sunday. Please come to church because we want to sneak Jesus in. No, no, no. She's just like, hey man, like, come. Come check for yourself. Come and see a man. It's an invitation. There are spaces literally that our church creates for this. Bloom Beach Bash is literally that thing. Why are we going to a a resort to go and swim for the day? Because we're bored? No. I've got a lot of other things to do. (laughs) But it's why. It's because we want to create a space where people can invite other people that don't know Jesus, that are still wondering about faith, that that are unsure why, so that they can just hang out with Christian people and realize Christian people aren't weird. Jokes, we're pretty weird. But we're not that weird weird. Like, you know you get weird? And then you go weird, weird. We're not that weird, we're just good weird, like nice, good little mixture, right? And this is just invitational evangelism. And then the last one is this, number six, service. Very simply put. Sometimes people will listen more to you if you've got a bread in your hand than if you have a Bible. Not, not just a physical bread, but if you've got a solution to their problem. If you're living life, can, can I tell you something? Pop-up, the process we've been running through our church, right? Pop-up is not just in Bloemfontein. It's in a few different um, cities in Bloom that are in South Africa that we're, we're running. And uh, listen to this. When it comes to all our campuses, right, all around the world, and when it comes to pop-up, pop-up has the most people giving their life to Christ than churches in our environment. There are more people being saved at pop-up than any other church in Doxaday. Why is this important? It's because people are looking for an answer, and the answer is Jesus. It's Him. They are coming to a place. We're finding people where they are needed. This is like literally the guy, Dorcas. (laughs) It's a really weird name. But Dorcas in Acts 9, this is literally 
what, they were known, what he was known for is this, is there's always doing good, helping the poor. And this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. This guy was going around just sharing and doing good things for people. And this was leading people closer to who Jesus is. Why? Because this is what God wants. He wants us to live a life with all these six. You can put up all six for us. All these six. Now quickly for a moment, just look at those six. Ask yourself the question, where do you plot yourself in one of them? Now here's the thing. I don't think you'd be just doing one for your entire life. I think you can definitely do all six. Which one comes naturally to you? Maybe it's service. Maybe it's a way of like, I want to serve someone to, you know, help. Have you, have you heard this? And I, I want to say this, and then we're going to just do something really fun. Let's redefine the win. I want to say this. Have you heard that, that statement that people make? Preach the gospel, and if needed, use words. <laughs> it's a thing I saw people do. I can't do it. Huh? Preach the gospel, and that what, they, what they are saying is live a life that is good so that it preaches the gospel to people. My response to that is, yes, but also preach the gospel. Also, tell them. Don't just show them. Because here's the thing, if you want to live a holy life or a good life to show people that you know Jesus, I'm saying maybe you're making this too much about you right now. Because Jesus has already made you holy. It's no longer about you trying to become holy, trying to be holy. <laughs> Jesus has made you holy. Maybe it's time for you to shift your focus to say, that's cool, but I'd rather live a life that is service, outwardly focused towards people around me so that I could show them not just through the good life I'm living, but to show them through the good deeds I'm doing towards people, the good love I'm showing towards people of who Jesus really is. Because love is felt in those spaces. So here's the last thing. If we want to understand evangelism, right? We understand that it's, it's not, there's a bad way of doing it. And we understand that these are really practical steps for us to do it. And I hope these practical steps help you. One of them is tangible and take it home with you. But here's the thing. If we want to make sure that we are evangelizing right, we need to redefine the win. Redefine the win. Ultimately, God is the evangelist because he's working through us. But what do we think when we think evangelism win? What do you think when your evangelism worked? Where's the win? The moment that guy's in church and he puts up his hand and says, I want to follow Jesus, right? When he's born again. That's the moment when we think, okay, yeah, he's born again. Now this is the moment. You see, that's not the win. That's not the win at all. There's more to the win. Let me explain this. Check out this diagram here behind me. Imagine a diagram from minus 10 to zero to plus 10, just for a moment. Now, now this isn't like set in gold or anything or set in stone. Don't go and say like, okay, I'm definitely a six and a half. Like, I gotta... No, but here's the thing. Just imagine for a moment, right? You meet someone that doesn't know Jesus and you meet them at number 10, where they tell you, bro, there's no God. There's no God. And they journey with you through conversations. Maybe it's through reasoning. Maybe it's through service. Maybe it's through friendship. Maybe it's through an invitation. Maybe it's through telling the truth. Maybe it's through all these different things. Their journey that one month, two days, six weeks, whatever it may be, that journey with you, they move from a place where they say, there is no God, to a place where they go, 
Maybe they, maybe there is a God. Hello? Guess what? That's a win. And then they, then they go away. But here's the thing. Just because we think we need to get to, you know, point zero, where a disciple is born, and, and if they don't believe, then they, oh, they're, they're wrong and they must be fixed, and then we're missing it completely. Because it's a journey to get to know Jesus. It's a journey to know him. Some of us might have been surprised with a glowing figure in, the, in a dream, but for some of us it's a journey to discover who he is. And then maybe, you know, from believing, okay, maybe there is a God, you, you have a new relationship with this, or this person moves on to a new space or relationship or space, and they start realizing, well, you know, if there is a God, maybe it is this Jesus guy that everyone's talking about. And maybe, you know, the sparks interest in Christianity and, and then they start actually like, you know, finding some facts about the gospel and start like going, oh, that makes sense. Maybe they start grasping these implications about, you know, what does it really mean when God says he loves me? Or what does it really mean when I believe that God, you know, gave his life for me? Then they start having a positive attitude to it. They're not shooting down Christianity. They're actually saying, let me, let me invite this in. Let me maybe have a look at this deeper. Maybe they start seeing that for them, they have a personal need for it. And then they start making a decision to say, I've got to do something about this. Maybe they get to a place where they repent and have faith. See, in, in my journey with people, there was this one guy a while back, long while back, and I met him, and I met him there at number 10 and minus 10. <laughs> he was just angry at the world. Angry at everyone, angry at God, and he's even saying there's no God. And I spent a few months journeying with this guy. And after a few months, I would say he was at minus eight. He got to a place where he said, God is real, and it's probably this Jesus guy, but that's cool. Let's keep it there. I said, okay. And through journey through other people, he knows Jesus today. I played my role. And then we get, you know, a moment where a person is born again, where it's beautiful. This is like the penny drop moment. This is kind of like where you score the goal, right? This is the win. And then you usually get to discipleship. And this is a journey of discipleship. Again, it's not saying that, you know, if, you, if, you, um, if you're at number four and you start praying, then nine doesn't fit in. That's not what I'm saying. It's just there's a few things to take note of. But then discipleship starts. But sometimes we want to start with discipleship, don't we? Guy rocks up at his church and he says, you need to pray. You need to grow in faith. You must get baptized now. Then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The guy walks in, he's like, hello, what? <laughs> I'm like sort of still believing I'm an atheist. Like, don't come around here. It's a journey with people. But why did I say we need to redefine the one? Because here's the thing. Evangelism is like the UEFA Champions League. Soccer. Now, here's the thing. I don't know much about soccer. I wanted to use rugby as an illustration. So please bear with me. You guys can pray for me, right? But here's the thing. If you're a soccer fanatic, if you love soccer, any soccer lovers in the room? All right, right? Yeah, there we go, right? If you're a soccer fanatic, when do you celebrate? When they score a goal? Yes, yes, you do. Okay, I'm just checking. Like, even if you're not, you're like, oh, goal, something happened in the past 90 minutes. <laughs> Boring as hell. But okay, <laughs> I'm checking. 
But if you're a real soccer fanatic, you start celebrating when there's a slight tackle that works out. Or when there's a yellow and a red for the opposite team, right? You start celebrating when you see the, the passing technique or structure start working out, right? When there's some tactical passing. You, you start celebrating when you realize, oh, we've had possession for the past 10 minutes. They haven't touched, the, they haven't even seen the ball. You start, you start feeling good when, when Messi dribbles, <laughs> Right? You don't just celebrate the goals. No, you celebrate the little wins. And here's the thing, without those little wins, without the little dribble, without the beating the defender, the slight tackle, the possession, without those things, you can never score the goal. Right? When it comes to evangelism, for someone to meet Jesus, that's the goal. But when do we celebrate? Every single step of the way. We celebrate the slight tackle the moment they realize, oh, maybe I need Jesus. We celebrate every single way because it's the journey that counts. It's not the end. And so I want to end off with this one thing and a challenge. The thing is this. Maybe you're sitting here today, and as I'm saying these things, you're saying, Brent, that's been my life. I've been seeing how people in church have hurt me. They've tried to make me some other Christian that I'm not. And I'm sitting here still skeptical. A friend invited me. I see he's one of those invitational people. All right, And... I'm sitting and I'm going, that's, people have been bashing me to be a Christian one day. I'm saying, friend, I'm sorry. But that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants him, wants you to discover him. Wants you to discover who he is. And it starts with an open invitation where you say, Jesus, come and show me who you are. So I want us to just close our eyes just for one moment. And... Nothing emotional, no background music, no nothing, because this isn't an emotional decision. This is a true decision. Where you say, God, maybe I'm skeptical, but God, maybe I don't know. God, maybe I'm still trying to figure out. I don't know, that spectrum thing that Brent put up there, it makes no sense. Here's the thing. I'm not an evangelist. We're not evangelists. The Holy Spirit's the evangelist. And if you feel God is speaking to you and he's saying, today I just want to start a conversation. You in your own words, in your own way, just say, I'm in. Let me have the conversation. It's good. And for the rest of us, it's this simple. You can open up your eyes. It's this simple. It's all about understanding where you are in this game. You see, the reason I know Jesus today is because of a series of men in my life. One guy called Pierre. <laughs> he Actually, you know, very religious system, but he always helping me through this religious system to kind of know who Jesus is. A guy called Charles, my brother, that paid money for a camp for me to attend. I was angry at him because I wanted to go drink with my friends. Stupid brother. <laughs> but I went on this camp, and then there, as I got to a camp, there's this guy called Marnie, <laughs> standing with a paper plate with my name written on it. Him just growing me a little bit closer to Jesus. Then I had a little group leader. His name was Oscar. I remember Oscar. We had conversations. I asked him questions. Moved me a little closer. And then there was a guy called Tim. Preached a sermon. Asked, does someone want to follow Jesus? Till today, I cannot remember a word he said in that sermon. It made no sense. <laughs> Maybe it was just bad. <laughs> I don't know. He's not here, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
But here's the thing what I knew is that God used a bunch of people for me to get to know him. Be that person to someone around you. So here's the challenge for the week. Are you guys keen for a challenge? Very simply put, challenge this. Saturday is a very special day. The 24th of September is? You're so much in there, yeah? Everyone's like, bro day. <laughs> no, guys, we'd bry on the day, and I'm all for it, bry day. But it's actually Heritage Day, where we celebrate each other's heritage, right? We're enjoying it, and it's really good. And then we bry, because that's what we do, right? Anyone? Anyone not like Bri in the room? I just know where we need to put you. Okay, we'll build a different room for you. I'm joking now. I'm joking. But here's the invitation. If you're not coming to Bloom Beach Bash, that's cool. Definitely then give it a skip. But here's the space. Maybe invite someone to hang out with you. Maybe invite that guy that's in your, in your hostel or in your res, or that guy that's with you in your class that was you know, part of that project you were doing. Maybe just invite them to hang out. To get to know, maybe invite them to a frisbee. Maybe invite them to something around you. Because this is a space where we can invite people. And here's the other thing. And I want to end it off there. With this series, we want to invite people to join the space. An invitation. And that's simple. And the bus helps us with that. Right? To get people on the bus. Just invite a guy to say, hey, there's a free ride. Let's drive together. Let's go meet this person named Jesus. And I have faith that in the next few weeks that we're going to see people, friends, family of ours getting to know Jesus. Why? Because we're not professionals, but because we are willing to say, God, will you come and talk to these people? Does that sound good? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much. Father God, just for all this info and for all these things and, and practical things that help us to go and actually share your word. But I pray for this one thing, Father, that our passion for you would be bigger than anything in this world. That, Lord, as people have passions for many little hobbies and, and sports and things, Father God, that keep them drived in their lives, Father God, I pray that this church's passion, this evening service's passion, our young people's passion, Father God, would be this one thing, and that is you. It's you, Jesus, that we cannot find ourselves for a moment keeping quiet about who you are and what you've done in our lives. And I pray that through all these different ways of evangelism, Father God, that the one thing will always be true, and that is you and our love for you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.